Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts, Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Yeah, I'll start recording. We basically haven't got any um, talk. Oh, I haven't got any talking points for you. I don't know if Jay has, but... We were kind of hoping you'd just bring the entertainment, Jamie. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure I can think of something. Did you not write anything down, Jay? I, I'm listed. Did you not get the list? Did neither of <laughs> you get the list? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, right. It took me hours. <laughs> I was wondering how organised you are behind the scenes. It would appear not very. <laughs> Depends on the calibre of the guest, Jamie, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> and how much you, you know, can be bothered, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well i mean the thing is there's some guests we have on where you obviously need to do some research so yeah. that you can ask the right questions so that we get the best out of that person whereas well personally i don't feel like i need to do a huge amount of research on you i sort of know you <laughs> <laughs> um, which is probably a good place to start if anyone that's not aware welcome jamie stevenson to the trail and Error podcast thank you very much for having me on all right no worries um everyone else was booked so <laughs> <laughs> we, we did have a request for you as well somebody, somebody... we did did you really you got my yeah. request <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing i was gonna say um you're one of the first people that's been requested i think is that right jay yeah we, we've we've right. got a, a a small list of people but you were specifically requested um quite recently so yeah it seemed it seemed a good time to get you on i feel honored yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to. We were going to have you on for the um, Serpent Trail one, weren't we? But timings didn't allow. Yeah. Um, yeah a bit gutted about that, but. Um, yeah. Never mind. Um, we can still talk about that, though. Um, sure. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, in my, in my mind, I was like, well, we should probably get you on when you're closing in on a race um, so that you can talk a bit about your training and, and what you're hoping to do with the race. But um, you're not racing that much, really, this year, are you? No, I've taken a bit of a step back from it and kind of gone with a bit more of a kind of focused training block approach rather than a, my usual race everything and anything approach. Hmm. So this presume, the thought process behind that presumably is to perform better at races because you're spending less time racing and more time training specifically for those races. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think before I used to, I don't know, I'm a big fan of the uh, kind of any surface, any distance kind of approach. And I have been in the past. And so I've always kind of raced whatever kind of takes my fancy, but, um, yeah, this, this year I've kind of, I've tried to link races together that make sense together. So the training complements each other. And then I've gone with kind of like the ABC race approach. So some of them I don't really taper for. And then I've focused on a couple of races to try and get the best out of myself for those. Hmm. So the races you well you've done one this year which was the Serpent Trail fifty. That was um, that was my second race of the year. I did a, a half marathon leading up to that as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. What was the half marathon? It was the Shepherdine half marathon up in Gloucestershire. 
Oh, you also did a section of the um, classic quarter, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did a classic quarter relay as well. Yeah, you're right. So actually you are racing. I am racing, yeah, but this is the thing. Is it, when you don't really taper for it, is it a race or is it just a training run? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing. Like, I think you can do those, can't you? Um, if, as long as the distance and the terrain is, like, compatible with your training plan. But then, I don't know, I've I've never attempted to do that, but I have a feeling that once, you know, I've got a, got a, a bib pinned on me that I'll go all out and probably ruin the training plan. Yeah, exactly that. That's what happened at the Classic Quarter. It was very much supposed to be a, a training run at the weekend, but, you know, get yourself out on the coast path running with other people and it's never going to happen, is it? It's just you get caught up in the moment. So do you feel like the, you know, declining races and racing less and you know depriving yourself of that sort of race day hype is worth the sort of reward that you're going to get for the the races that you really care about and do you feel like you are sort of moving in the right direction towards those races uh it's a good time to ask me that because with you guys running the plague at the moment i'm still sitting on that fence of uh yeah, I still really want to run it, <laughs> but <laughs> at the moment, yeah, I'm not running it, and um, it's it's a really it's really difficult to turn it down. Uh, running races as a general, you know, that's why we that's why we run every day, isn't it? So we can run these races, and well, part of it anyway. And uh, yeah, as for the reward, kind of the recent the recent race, I was really happy with the result. I didn't expect to get anywhere near that high up in the field, and um, it did seem like it paid off on the day. Um, how I would have done without, with with more racing in the lead up to it, I don't know. It's difficult to say, but I certainly feel like I'm putting more eggs in one basket, and therefore, perhaps more driven to do do what I can on the day. And do you like would like entering races and like you know really sort of exercising some self restraint and with that accepting that you're not likely to podium, but it's a training run and it's a fun day and you get to be part of an event. Is that not something that you think you can put yourself through? Say that again. Sorry. So, like, would you? Do you think that you? It's not possible to exercise enough willpower to just enter a race because it's fun to do. Oh, but right. Keep, but slow yourself down and use it as a training run and accept that you're not going to podium probably. Yeah. Um, I don't. So far, it's not worked. I've tried it once, <laughs> didn't work, um, and I don't regret running as hard as I could at the classic quarter. It's a lot. It, I mean, running fast on the coast path is just so much fun. I think running fast in general is so much fun. So um, I'm, I'm sure I will try it again at some point, running a little bit easier during a race. But I think part, a large part of the reason why I race is so that I can, I can test myself against other people. I mean, mm. I, I've spectated more this year than I have done other years and that that gets you know the other reason why you'd race is to be part of the community on the day and you know meet see, see everyone you know and meet new people and things and i think you can do that while spectating so um i've, I've tried that out and enjoyed it as well so um I'm there's sure always the option to do like the sweeping as well at races i always thought that might be quite fun yeah yeah it could be i don't know i've heard rumors it being <laughs> the idea being better than the actual reality oh really okay <laughs> it must be quite a harsh job to, to, to chop somebody and, you know, to tell them that, yeah, sorry, you, your race is over today. Yeah. I mean, I guess I never really thought about it like that, but you're sort of just like, if you, if you, if you are near the back of the pack and you see this person slowly pursuing you, 
Um, it's probably a little bit like being in first place and having second slowly pursuing you in a way. Uh, Are you allowed to have a scythe or something like that as you're coming up behind them? Maybe to to speed them up a little bit or to just to give good them a Good if it was dressed as the Grim, Weep- yes, Grim Reaper. like Hot Fuzz. <laughs> I am death. Can you imagine that on the arc? <laughs> yeah, that would be terrifying. It's in January. Oh, screw that. Um, I expect there's people that have kind of... Um, Imagine they've seen the Grim Reaper on the Ark already, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it must be quite a hard thing to do to, to you know, knock off somebody's day and just say, sorry, pal, it's um, job done. Mm. Mm. The other thing you could do, Jamie, I'm just thinking about ways in which you can race without ruining your training plan, um, is pace someone, right? You could enter yeah. a race just with the intention of pacing someone who, yeah. your friend who you, you want to do well or whatever. Yeah, or, well, or who you want to do badly. <laughs> that is one one of the things I do want to do. Yeah, not necessarily, not even just in a race as well. Lots of people are always, as part of their training, doing you know tempo runs and stuff like that, and aiming for times and different things. And mm. yeah, I think I think that kind of thing is a lot of fun, isn't it? Tagging along with people and kind of contributing to other people's training as well. Yeah. So um, Serpent Trail, um, we've got, we've done an episode on that already, um, which was really focused around the hundred k. But do you want to talk a little bit about your experiences doing the fifty k, going into that, what how you trained, and um, well, what happened? Yeah, sure. So um, the Serpent Trail fifty kilometer race was part of the Golden Trail National Series, um, which is a series of. I don't know how many races there are in it this year. It's, it's whittled down because of COVID, I think. But um, essentially, the best runners then end up in a final at the end of the year. Um, so it's quite hotly contested. Um, so I, I had signed up to the 100 kilometer last year. And then when my place was deferred over to this year, I dropped down to the 50 kilometer race, um, partly to not race uterus. <laughs> but <laughs> but what, what I did was I sold it as a, uh, I want to race other people. Um <laughs> So yeah, I stepped down and then um, my training looked completely different to what it usually does. Uh, well, first of all, I guess I should mention I took on a, a coach at the beginning of the year as well, mm. um, largely because I didn't know what I was doing and what I was targeting. And um, and then from then, my training looked pretty different to what it would have done if I had been kind of um, overseeing it. And it was kind of a lot of like, Still a decent amount of distance, but a lot of half marathon kind of training sessions. It was a bit mm-hmm. bizarre. Like a lot, a lot of like fast running is what I'm getting at, rather than necessarily 50 kilometer pace running. Um, and I think I had, I think I had kind of a, a 16 week block leading into it, so a really good block of training, pretty much uninterrupted. I mentioned that I ran a couple of races, the half marathon in uh, Gloucestershire and the coast path relay but other than that there was no other interruptions and um yeah kind of the the i guess the other flip side to what we were talking about before about not racing so much is the amount of pressure that ends up on that one race that you are concentrating on and um oh man was i buckling (laughs) leading up to this the the serpent trail i was uh i was a wreck (laughs) didn't didn't know what to expect because obviously you don't know who's racing you've got this uh golden trail national series race on your calendar that you've been prepping for a long time for. And, um, yeah, it was quite difficult to keep the nerves under wraps. Um, but, uh, as I got closer, I think I got a bit more settled with it. And then 
yeah, race day came about and then all of a sudden you get really excited because you're lining up against a load of kind of sponsored athletes and things and uh you're like well actually it's on their shoulders to take this race to people not mine nobody knows who i am so i'm sure no one's really watching what i'm doing and uh race day was great brilliant really enjoyed it um ran with jordan clay local runner for about 90 percent of it um, which we both agreed we kind of really pushed each other really hard he has a habit of and i think i think it's a tactic of his is uh, uh, i think as you mentioned in your serpent trail recaptress that uh kind of talking to people to try and put them off making it look like you're incredibly comfortable is he that he was just exceptionally comfortable for large quantities of that race <laughs> D- damien hall mentioned he did that on the the one that you guys all did a few years ago black rap yeah he was um he was ferg was telling me he was he was running along with damien hall and 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 he said you know i thought i was in for a relatively easy day and then this, this i'm not gonna i'm it this sounds condescending to jordan but this is damien's words he said this this kid appeared alongside me and starts asking me you know about trainers and stuff like this and he's like holy crap you know i'm, I'm struggling to breathe up this hill and this this guy's having a chat with me just in normal conversational tones and he thought you know shit i'm gonna have to work today so um yeah i think i think maybe it's just jordan's normal normal mo yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all he's he's uh he's rapid and yeah he's, just, gifted, he's so right? comfortable at fast paces isn't he so hmm. yeah i don't it, well either it's a it's an effective strategy to sort of demoralize the op- opposition and make them think jesus this guy's holding a conversation with me whilst we're running quite fast or he needs to stop talking because he might do better (laughs) (laughs) it it didn't sound like a recording or anything he hadn't he didn't have his like like mp3 player playing in 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 the background just pre-recorded questions to phase you out and completely (laughs) unnerve you that is an idea (laughs) (laughs) just imagine running along with a bluetooth speaker just blasting out random (laughs) questions (laughs) questions. (laughs) it's like not only is he talking to me but he's not even moving his lips (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just just running behind you <laughs> 30 minutes of asking you stuff oh dear <laughs> that's a, it's a plan so uh the 50 so what uh you came third right i did come third yeah are you uh it was only like what two minutes behind first or something like that uh, there about i think it was three behind first something like that though yeah so it was a pretty awesome result because as you say it's some of the best trail runners in the country and You'd never run the course before, so I didn't mm. know exactly what to expect there. Yeah. Um, a little bit wetter than usual, apparently, as well. Yeah. Um, which pro- possibly played into your favour since we're used to sort of mud down here in Cornwall, aren't we? Well, the two people who beat me are both fell runners. Oh, so right. Okay. I think that, yeah, I don't think they were too unaccustomed to uh, a bit of mud here and there. Mm. So, how did your training, you mentioned your sort of our half marathon distance runs and things like that. How did it? How did it differ from, say, a training block you would have put in like a year ago? So what I was doing, I did a 50-kilometer virtual race in February, so I did my own training for that, and I was doing um, kind of what I think is probably what a marathon block would look more like. So I was doing a lot of marathon – I was doing a lot of 50K pace within my long runs, um, which were quite long, long runs. And then during my – during my speed work during the week, I was doing slightly slower, longer stuff. So like hour long tempos and things like that, rather than blocks of six minutes or five minutes and things like that. Mm. A much faster pace. 
So now you're doing more sort of interval work where it's faster but shorter periods of time and then more of them. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. Yeah, with rests in between. Yeah, they're brutal, absolutely brutal. <laughs> yeah, I think my training sort of slowly shifted towards that direction a bit more. We're like mixing up the pace in, in runs rather than mixing up just through the days of the week. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I can't, I can't even remember where I sourced my training plan, but I've been using it now for a number of races over the years. And it, 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 even for like training for 100K or 100 miles, there's still a fair amount of interval speed work in there um, on uh, probably one or two days a week. Um, actually, there's usually there's usually a, a day of like hill repeat intervals, and then there's another. Uh, well, sometimes they're only every two weeks, and then there's another day where it'll be tempo runs um, that will slowly build up in terms of their length. Um, I think maxing out at about fifteen or twenty minutes, sort of towards the end of the training block, um, but starting off at only kind of like two or three minutes. Um, don't know if that sounds anything similar to yours or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, just yeah, shorter, faster stuff that really hurts. But I think that the benefit is that you get that fatigue in your legs that probably mimics the end of a race quicker. And also, I think that that shorter, faster stuff helps you develop that running economy that you kind of strive for over the longer stuff, don't you? Because mm. that you know percent extra economy over a hundred kilometers saves you so much time. Yeah, I was, um, as you know, I was reading um, the Science of the Marathon book by um, Dr. Veronica Billat, French sort of trainer and sports scientist. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff in there about speed work. Now, obviously, a lot of her training is quite marathon specific, so it needs to be taken with a pinch of salt when you're kind of going longer distances. But one of the things that she argues is that top marathon runners are constantly oscillating their speed they're slow not a lot but they're slowing up and speeding down constantly and if you look at really successful marathon runners they and, and certainly like record-breaking marathon runners although this book is a little bit three or four years out now so i don't know if it still rings true they tend to go very fast for the first mile and then they they match that same sort of speed for the last mile as well so if you look at their pacing it's like a really wide smile um so up and up on each end and she basically argues that the the ones who are really successful the ones that can really put the speed down have got this extra gear over shorter distances in terms of speed and so her training plans a lot of it revolves around being able to run like a really fast mile or a really fast maybe not 5k but you, you need to be able to put in these super quick intervals because that's where you can draw from that strength to to first of all oscillate your speed to learn how to go up and down in pace and sort of run naturally according to that effort level that feels right and then to have that sort of turbo uh, towards the end of the race as well yeah i mean i, I yeah exactly that i, I think from running faster, you certainly, I don't know, when you're running a longer race, inevitably at some point you're going to be, you're going to accidentally throw in a, a faster kilometer. And if you can look down at that and not panic and think, oh my God, that's going to break me, you can look down at that and be still comfortable with it, recognize that it's a faster kilometer, then, then um, I think that, that mentally that's great as well, rather than just physically as well. 
so given the terrain that assuming that we're not on road and and how do you gauge how do you two gauge your pace given that we're on undulating terrain and it's quite difficult to judge you know compare your last kilometer with your next kilometer because they're so varied how do you, how do you do you do it on perceived exertion or do you, are you looking at time so when i do my speed work i actually do it on the flat yeah although it, it will translate so that i can use it hopefully elsewhere um yeah, I do it on the flat so that I can engage it. Everything else I can do on I do on the trails if I want to. I can do it anywhere else, but the speed work I do on the, the flat so that I can kind of gauge it a bit a bit better. So you can really kind of lock into what effort you're putting in. And if you were looking at your pace during a race, would you would you bother with the watch when you're running the race? No. So the other benefit of of kind of the fast running is that you kind of can better. You learn um, your output, don't you? you? You exactly, yeah. You can learn what your body's capable of doing, yeah. not just through the paces, but also um, just when you're going to redline, when you when you're at that um, threshold pace, and so on. When you're in zone one and zone two, and you get to learn your body a bit better, and so therefore you can mm-hmm. take that forward into races, and you know, it, I mean, paces on race day are so different to training paces anyway, yeah. because you're tapered, because you're you've got the adrenaline and all the other factors that tie into it that really using your watch is, is not really that useful. And actually, I think it's an undoing of a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, the less you can look at it, the better. Um, we we were talking to Mike McKnight about that, weren't we? Mm. He was saying how you know he's just sort of spending much more time running by feel and ends up going quicker. But I think to your point, you like if you're doing something like a coast path race, like you know the Rat, for example where the terrain's constantly changing. Um, think I just think having those training runs, especially where you've put in speed and understood, right, this is how f- this is the speed that I can run at, you know, for an hour before I'm done. This is the speed that I can run at for 20 minutes before I'm done. This is the speed that I can run at for five minutes before I'm done. And really attuning yourself to that effort level and then kind of a, calling upon that, that knowledge when you're in a race environment so that if you find yourself running off a bit of headland and you think to yourself right well actually i can only run at this effort level for four and a half five minutes before i'm going to be on the floor it's going to take me three minutes to get to the top do i really want to be two minutes away from pretty much death you know running down the other side of this thing and then you can adjust and you can tweak and i think that racing trails is really all about those sort of fine adjustments constantly finely tuning that speed and effort level to knowing you know well this will be done over and done within five hours eight hours 12 hours whatever it is um and locking into it yeah uh, that's exactly what i try yeah from gauging what you can do during training and yeah, taking it into your races and seeing what you're capable of doing and just trying to moderate it as best you can uh and um, hoping for the best you don't get it wrong because <laughs> they're the days that come away pretty <laughs> pretty disappointing. But um... Well, or you just have to hurt a lot more. Like if you've, well, I mean, you can get it wrong obviously in two ways. You can kind of, you know, go too slow um, and then realize that, you know, actually you, you could have done more in the first half or first third of the race and, you know, now you know although you've preserved some energy there's, there's too much time to make up to what get to wherever you want to be 
or, or more commonly, there's the overcooking it. Um, and then you get to a stage where you've just got to suffer that much more towards the end, possibly, probably with, you know, a drop in pace as well. And just the, I mean, just the, the sort of demoralizing effect of, of slowing down and feeling the pain of every single step and wishing away the minutes and all that kind of thing. It's kind of how much do you trust your central governor and how much do you defy him? Yeah, well, that's David Goggins thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how much attention do you pay to that central governor? But I don't know. Like, although I ascribe to a lot of his philosophy, I, I do believe that most of us aren't pushing as hard as we could. You know, once you start getting into the realms of like competitive ultra running, you're pushing it pretty damn hard. And um, I don't, I, you know, I've, I've, uh, for example, when I ran the Southwest Traverse, when was that now? May? Um, like, I really didn't have a lot left to give at the end of that. And, you know, if someone had said, ah, but that's your central governor, um, you know, telling you you can't do it, I'd have said, no, no, no. I had the conversation with the central governor about three hours ago. <laughs> and um, he told me I couldn't do it then. And I said I could. And now I've spent everything that's left, you know. Um how far that goes, I don't know, but it probably ends up with hospitalization. <laughs> uh, I mean, you do see, you're starting to see more and more of that now, right? Especially in these very long races, like the 200 milers. Like, it feels like there aren't many of those that go by now where there isn't some sort of athlete that ends up in a hospital bed, usually like with um, crazy low um, blood oxygen levels, you know, they're sort of, you know, in some kind of horrible state where they're, um, their, their uh, blood O2 levels like down to 70% or whatever. Um, it does show um, people do, are pushing the boundaries now. Yeah, but like there's boundaries that need to be pushed for sure. Like there's most of us have put up a mental boundary that is, is you know, it's arbitrary. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't relate to what our physical capability is and it's there to be broken through. And it's really nice when you do that. But then there's other boundaries um <laughs> or another boundary which is death um or like <laughs> real severe illness and i do worry that more because it, it's such an inspiring time to be an endurance athlete there's so many great ambassadors for the sport you know all the instagram accounts and everything and people like david goggins um that we're in sort of danger of just pushing ourselves too hard and then people you know get really really unwell as a result of it I do think that just ultra marathoning in general is you kind of recalibrating the central governor because I think when we all started running, we all thought, you know, 5K or 10K was quite a long way. And then you recalibrate that to 21K for the half marathon is quite a long way. Then all of a sudden a marathon is quite a long way. Then 50, and all of a sudden you start normalizing these distances. And I think as you, you're already starting to stretch your central governor, not on the specific day necessarily, but just what your understanding of your body being capable of is and so then when we go and run an ultra marathon on a specific day and you know at the end you're like oh yeah no i feel really bad the next time you go out inevitably you kind of push those boundaries a bit further and so it might not seem like you're doing it necessarily every single time or even maybe it does seem like it because it hurts so much but i think every single time you kind of empty the tank a little bit more and just push him a little bit more make him a bit more angry poke him a bit more <clears throat> And yeah. I guess the longer the races as well, the more opportunity for things to go wrong. You know, you're doing a 240 mile run. If you've got a weakness in the system, 
uh, and you're pushing your boundaries right out there, then then that's got time to kind of flare up. And what you push through and what you ignore becomes detrimental at some point. Um, it's it's kind of look of the day sometimes as well with all the environmental factors and variables. It, it's kind of, I guess it would be almost impossible to judge unless you had some really advanced health screening before every race. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it is a tough one, but there's, it's such a alluring prospect of just that continual self-improvement and what can I do next? How far can you take this? <clears throat> um, but you're absolutely right, Jamie, when you say about normalizing it. Um, I mean, I remember when I did my first hundred K, it felt like a sort of crowning achievement just to get around it. And then, you know, here we are this year with, I'm doing a couple of hundred Ks and certainly it doesn't have the same, you know, foreboding dread of like, holy crap, is this even possible anymore? Um, which then leads you on to, you know, like you say, longer distances. And I don't know, I, I wonder how much of it is a sort of mental thing. Um, purely self-imposed and but i do feel also there is a there's got to be a limit at some point it's whether or not you've got the nerve i guess to take yourself to the limit i mean like it's like that thing of like you know how long can you hold your breath for right and of course it's not possible to make yourself pass out by holding your breath because your body automatically eventually kind of goes no 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 um we can do this if you're going to stay awake and um but you know you're sort of pushing yourself to this extreme and beyond and beyond and beyond. And then, you know, where is the point where your body just gives up and says, no, sorry. I haven't found it yet. I don't think any of us have because we're all still sitting here. So that's good news. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back for that one, guys. <laughs> Survived another day. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, I, I haven't really chatted with you much about this, but I would love to hear a little bit about your, and I don't know if many people know this, but, and it might not even be true anymore, but you did hold the FKT for running around the island of Malta. Oh, yeah, I did. I do. You That's do? My, you still have own, it? Well, every now and then, um, I mean, I had a few FKTs, and one of which I did with Tristan and Dartmoor. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, oh, you know what, I'll just nip on the, the website the other, the other day and check that they're still intact. And uh, all but the Malta one had been taken. Oh, really? So, yeah. So um, that is my, well, as of about a week ago or two weeks ago, I still had it anyway. Um, Have there been attempts on it, the Malta one? Uh, a, a couple of guys did Malta and Gozo, but they took a lot longer. Well, there's a ferry to to Gozo. I mean, that's going to yeah, slow them yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And another 50k around the around the smaller island as well. But um, what's the distance sick. then, and the terrain like, and and what time do you do it in? Um, Malta. I think it was 140 kilometers, and I did it in about 16 hours. I think. Um, I, I it wasn't a great deal of elevation. I think it was about two and a half to three thousand meters hmm. thereabouts. Um, yeah, so there's no defined coast path, is there? No, exactly. There's, there's, pa there's patches. I knew there was areas where there was either road or, or path that hugged to the coast, but there was other areas that, um, I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. So I kind of had mapped a route, obviously. 
Um, but there was areas where there was one specific point where I kind of went to go down where I wanted to go and there was a big private do not enter. And in, in kind of on Bodmin Moor, you're like, well, that's flexible, isn't it? I, you know, I can probably still go down there. In Malta, it's more the kind of place where you get shot in your back. I was going to say there'd be a shotgun you know, down there point. waiting. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I, I, had to, I had a big detour um, at that point. But um, that wasn't the Popeye village, was it? There wasn't like a big guy down there with a sailor's cap in his pipe. <laughs> no, well, I didn't. I didn't actually go into. There might well have been, but no, it wasn't a Popeye's village. It was a bit further south of than that. Um, but large parts of it, there's a decent path to follow, really. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic because I lived there for quite a while and, and really didn't get to see much of the island, or certainly didn't make the most of it. This was kind of my way of um, returning and making making more of it. And some of it is absolutely spectacular. It is a stunning island. Yeah. And you have a yeah. relationship with Malta anyway through your wife, don't you? So Exactly that, yeah. Oh, very um, nice FKT Maltese. to own. Yeah. So what happened with the Dartmoor one? What, how much was it beaten by? I can't Actually, remember. Do you want to describe it first? Do you want to describe what the Dartmoor one is? Yeah, so um, well, I did have the two Dartmoor oh, yeah, ones, two, the 500s yeah. and the 600s, which is... Yeah. The 500s is um, hitting the top of every peak over 500 meters, which I think is 50 or 52, I think. And the 600 is every peak over 600, which is five, I think. Um, uh, the, the, the 500s we did, um, was that two years ago or two and a half years ago, thereabouts? Well, it was September we did it, I think. So I don't know if that's two years ago or uh, three year years ago in September. It would have been a year and a half ago, I think. Oh, nearly two years ago. Oh, yeah. you know what? It's two years ago in September. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, that one uh, is about, I think it's about 100 kilometers and about 4,000 meters of climbing, but it just doesn't doesn't do anything for the difficulty. It's just open moorland virtually the entire way around. Um, yeah, the terrain's a big issue on that one, isn't it? Because there's certain areas where, you know, you... <laughs> You think you think some I think some people imagine open wall and you think well it's just sort of undulating tufty grass, but there's so much of that yeah. route which was well what we call what they call baby's heads baby's heads um, yeah where it's those sort of lumps of I mean it's just not it's not entirely unflat so um, and I rolled my ankle about a mile in didn't I <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> quite badly um, yeah. Because there's dark, just to be fair to you, <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's nowhere flat to put your foot, like so you. And it was dark as well because you you have to start at five in the morning or something, don't you? That's part of the FKT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which was which was where Craig sent me the picture of you guys crossing a river. That was that one. That was that one. Yeah. That. Did... Oh no, no. There was another time. No, there was a... no. <laughs> there was that another was time. Six hundreds we... recce. Yeah, that was a recce in the six hundreds <laughs> when there was a freaking storm over Dartmoor and we were. Um... There's four of us when I, four of the brothers when I, and um, only two came back. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about having lots of siblings is that's Spares. disposable. Well, one Pat nearly got washed away in a river. We had to cross this river, which was way overflowing and like, I mean, normally a stream. And there's so much water landing on Dartmoor. Pat nearly got washed away and basically got um, hypothermia. <laughs> Uh, so, so how much was your time beaten by on the 500? I think it was about half an hour or thereabouts, I think. Right. Um, yeah. That's a chunk of change. So that was change, about 16 that. hours, wasn't it? 16 hours? Yeah, it was about 16 hours we did it in, I think. 
But I mean, they need to set up like a notification uh, function on their website so that when you get it, when it gets taken off you, you get alerted. And then that drives the hype to go back and reclaim it. Mm. Whereas when I found out myself, I was like, oh, <laughs> mm. oh that's a bit disappointing. Well, I, I thought like- it was sort of um, etiquette to contact the current holder as well, because I think you did, didn't you, for the 500? Well, I did just after we'd finished because I realized I hadn't, and that yeah. was etiquette, I think. But um, yeah, I, I think on the certainly on the bigger ones, you, I think, and you generally reach out. What do you say mm. to the person? Do you go, ha ha, or something like that? Do you, you know? What do you say to them? I think I'm faster than you. In your face. <laughs> you were proud of this, weren't you? Well, now look what's happened. Just go with um, how do you like them apples? Uh, piece of piss. It was easy. Uh, Don't know what the fuss is all about. Did it backwards. Uh, but um, have you, so, um, so the Malta one still stands. That's good. The 600 has been taken as well. That must be a tough one. That that was because it's yeah, it's a it's a quite a it's a shorter route. Obviously, only five peaks, but that means you're just kind of going all out for that period of time, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's twenty eight k, which um, I think the new record's about two hours twenty or thereabouts. I think so. It's it's pretty fast still. So it's not because it's, it's once you're up on the moorland, although you're high, you don't actually drop down 600 meters off each peak. You're just no. dropping 100 or 200 meters off each peak. So it's once you're up there, it's not too bad. But again, the first half, the way around I did it, was a lot of open moorland again. Um, which, if you go up and recce the route and things and find the path, there are paths that kind of link these things together, or at least decent animal tracks, then you can kind of save a lot of time on those. But yeah, it's, it's a much quicker route. It's really kind of a go for it out, out of the gates yeah i do kind of feel with some of those some, like I mean, it might be the case with a lot of fkts really that if the really good knowledge of the trails could grab you the fkt even if you're not the best runner um because there's often a kind of lot of like right which way do we go now or struggling with terrain or rivers or whatever because you didn't know the best route through so it's you know, it's one of those things where good sort of preparation or revision can really see you through fast, I suspect. I guess going back yeah, to I do think... them is going to set you up for, um, you know, a better mm. time as well based on what you've done before. Yeah, I think there's something nice about the preparation for the FKTs and things. Although I don't live next to Dartmoor, so I can't really do it. It'd be nice to kind of go out and recce and start improving your route and really nailing it down as this is definitely the fastest way to get around this route and then doing your very best and knowing you've given it everything would be really great have either of you done the cornish skyline yet no i haven't gone up for that one yet i did think about it this summer at some point but Mm. i haven't got around to it this is a a bob memore one right yeah is that tom sutton's suggestion right but yeah what is it like five peaks or something like that is that it it's more Five. than that, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think it might be a, into the into the teens. Yeah, I think it's a twelve or fourteen. But then, isn't one of them Rauter, which has got like three? Is actually like three tours, isn't it, Rauter? Mm, yeah, I think so. Three and one. Uh, Will was um, the first one to do it, I think. All right. Um, yeah, that's. I, I don't live far from there at all, and mm. I'm moving even closer. So, um, should probably have a go at that at some point. But. I think it's a great route just to go out and run as a, as a training run anyway, from what, mm. what I've heard. 
So, um, what are you training for now? What's what's happening next? Uh, I have the London Marathon in October. Which, oh, I've um, heard of that one. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> is it in London though? It's not virtual. It's no. actually in London. No, it is yeah. in London. Cool. And you've done it before, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I did it a couple of years ago. The the year of the heat, as it's known, I think. <laughs> a hot one, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really good. Um, hopefully fast, but yeah. What's the reason for focusing on these sort of like 50k marathon distance events? Why did you choose that kind of distance, especially London Marathon? Because, um, no offense, but you're not going to win that. Um, <laughs> like, why? I, I mean, a marathon distance is it's sort of almost the purest form of endurance running, I suppose. Um, it's certainly one of the hardest to train for, I think. And, and, the, and, 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 you know, it's just the right distance to be running bloody fast, but for a long time. Um, is that the appeal? Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. I think. I, I mean, the idea behind kind of stripping it back to shorter, slightly shorter stuff is to kind of get some extra speed in my legs and then see if I can carry that through to the longer stuff in the years, in the coming years. So, rather than kind of, I, I'm excited to run 100 kilometer races and 100 mile races for sure. But at the moment, I think that I would be using a different approach to what i want to use so i want to kind of you know run them as fast as i can but also feel like i'm actually moving at a good speed and i think at the moment if i went around 100 miles i would be using very much a, a gentle ultra shuffle to get around it and i want to kind of get some extra speed in my legs using these races and then the plan next year is to stretch up to 100 kilometers and then um probably the year after that go a little bit further than that and see whether or not i can carry the some of the speed through obviously i'm not going to run marathon pace over 100 kilometers but the idea is as we were talking before is recalibrate what i think fast is and then run faster for further and do you think like physiologically that will it will actually work out that way like you know speed work that you're doing now will carry through in a year's time or do you think or is it possible that you know, if you weren't doing that speed work now, but come January, you started in- introducing it and training for it, then you just have have that that speed in your toolkit ready for 2022. You, you I mean, presumably because you're doing it, you do believe that that's how it's going to play out. It's going to it's going to transition through to your next season. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. So I, I think that a large part uh, of what I'm learning now isn't necessarily kind of muscle strength or anything like that, because I think you can develop that over, over a shorter training block. But I think what you learn is that running economy mm. and that is kind of, um, getting comfortable with that running economy, at kind of slower speeds and so not running, you know, sub four minute kilometers, but a bit slower than that, but still running with that graceful running gait. Mm that saves you energy and makes you run faster for less energy that you learn over time and you learn that through running fast. And so by running really fast, I I think you learn that faster. (laughs) I hope. There's also a mental thing to it as well. I think, right. There's a sort of confidence thing, knowing that you've got that speed, you know, if it's sort of by knowing that it's there, it is there. Um, when you want to call upon it, um, it's not some sort of mystery, or unobtainable concept you know you know it's there because you've done it yeah definitely and even 
races nowadays are starting to the new breed of ultra runner is actually the the fast marathoner isn't it that's that's the kind of people that are being pulled through into these these longer races i'm talking kind of 50 miles 100k the the big the big names are people who have run marathons very fast but maybe not quite made at the marathon distance people like you know uh, Tom Evans and that those kind of bunch mm. have got real speed in the legs and then are going to stretch that out to longer distances and I think kind of obviously I'm not anywhere near that caliber but knowing that you've got something like that in your arsenal like you said is is quite a nice feeling that you, you're comfortable running that speed for, for long distances yeah are you still planning on doing the arc of attrition in January I don't think so not this year or not next year sorry not even uh, the 50 You've done that already, haven't you? Well, I'm looking for a race to do at the beginning of next year because I've signed up to the South Downs Way 100 kilometer race in May. Right. And um, and uh, between the London Marathon and that, I'd like to have another race to run for sure. So what that will be, I don't know yet. The Arc 50 is a possibility. Well, that would be nice and yeah. spaced out, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it gives me a chance to focus on some hills after London because I've heard there's not too many of them there either. <laughs> not yeah and quite a lot of pavement which you don't see too much of and uh and the arc no um how how do you kind of because obviously you've got a plan so it's like 50ks this year 100ks next year 100 miles how do you are you planning any further ahead than that do you have a sort of vision for like the next five to ten years do you see an you know an end or a point where you're likely to start getting slower uh, the only point I've got on my calendar at the moment is Trans Grand Canaria 23. <laughs> that's that's the thing that's all leading up to at the moment. I just want to go there and run a fast race. I don't know if you've you been to Grand Canaria. I've not, no. Uh, the trails are there are just dreamy. They're just absolutely phenomenal. So the idea being is to build up to that and then that will then lead into 100 miles probably. But that's really what's on my my calendar at the moment. Nothing Nothing beyond that. That is supposed What's to be a brutal li- race. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. But I mean, I I just feel like the scenery there will help ease those pains because <laughs> it is just phenomenal. How do you see it at your speed? That's the problem. <laughs> uh, it won't be that fast that one, I don't think. <laughs> Some pretty steep ups. Yeah. Mm. Do you do you, actually question for you, Jay. Do you do you kind of see yourself getting faster at my age or do you see yourself running well yeah this is or do you see yourself running further or do you see how, how do you kind of what's the prognosis for your running i'm 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 interested because uh because you're getting older i'm getting older as well um <laughs> just wondering of your own trajectory yeah yeah just what does it feel like to be as old as you um, what's my forecast <laughs> How bad is it? Mate, if you look like me when you're my age, that's just just give up hope now. Um <laughs> Well, I'm fifty next year. So I um yeah, I'm 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 fifty in March. So Bloody hell, you do look good for 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 forty nine. No, I've got a filter on, that's why I look like a deer. Um Or you got really wrinkly chin and neck <laughs> that no one can see. It's the it's the beard is weighted, so it gives me a, a face um like ah, a facelift. Yeah. It just draws all the wrinkles out of my eyes. Um, yeah. no, what my, um, what, so I was supposed to be doing CCC this year. Obviously that was my, that, that would have been the pinnacle of anything I've 
done so far, I think. And, and that's taken me a while to get there. But I am definitely, my achievements come from completion. Um, and But also against my own times, I'm always pleased to see if I have improvements and that that's really good. And that focuses my training. You know, I'm constantly trying to eke some more out of this dilapidated body of mine. Um, but then again, you make that, I make that call and then I go, but look at all the amazing runners around me that are my age. So age doesn't really, it isn't, isn't a valid excuse for, for diminishing returns. Um, I think I've still got a way to go before I would peak. I think, I think I would still be a comfortable runner at the, if, if I carry on the trajectory I'm on, I will still be a comfortable runner into my sixties right now. I think I would still be enjoying it in my sixties. Um, I don't often think that far ahead, but that's kind of where I think about it. But then in terms of distances, I've still got to nail a hundred mile. I refuse to go for an easier hundred mile than the arc. I've tried the arc twice and, and various reasons come up short, but I'm refusing to go for an easier hundred miler because I don't want to do an easy hundred mile. I want to do this one. Um, and then I'll move on to another horrible hundred miler, hopefully either TDS or, or Chamonix full UTMB. But um, I've still got lots and lots of running goals. So, yeah, I'm, um, I still see myself on an upward trajectory, not necessarily times, although it is nice to see improved results from working harder and, and introducing new things in with training and everything else. But, yeah, ultimately, um, I've still got a long way to go, I think, I hope. I heard a really interesting statistic one time, and that is if you imagine that you're um, – I can't remember what the specific um, quotient was, but it was along the lines of your exercise capacity. If you imagine it increases throughout your teens, and if you look at when it, it peaks at about when you're 25, mm -hmm. thereabouts. Um, and it's still the same. Yeah, so what it was like when you were 19, it obviously increases a lot to when you're 25. It doesn't, It it it's kind of decrease it doesn't reach back to that level of when you were 19 until you're about in your 60s 64 mm. or something so you have the same, yeah thereabouts yeah so you have the same exercise exercise capacities in your 60s you did when you're 19 mm. and so there's no good reason to uh, to think that yeah you, yeah well what you lose though, of course is strength isn't it as you get into the you know well after your 40s really into your 50s 60s you t it tends to be harder to build strength and you do start to lose muscle mass as you get older. I have to do but, more maintenance yeah. than I did when I was younger. But I mean, the endurance side of things is a more interesting one, and it's less tangible as well, of course, because, you know, there's, there's I guess, a certain sort of physiological elements to endurance to do with, Jay, I mean, you'd be the one to well, this, but like, you know, tendons and things like yeah. that. The connective tissues yeah. need to be conditioned to be um, an endurance runner. And that's why we build mm -hmm. up slowly and do all this, you know, the strength work and stuff that we do. And just being out there doing the miles is, is, is conditioning you to doing them. But you've got to get through all of that unscathed in a way with as fewer um, changes to your biomechanics as you can to kind of have that, I guess, the longer career. And that, some of that's chance and some of that's planning. Um, you know, we've talked recently with the strength and conditioning coach that, you know, the, the, and his, his statement was that the, there is no way of preventing injuries, but you can just reduce the risk, which is a very true, factually true statement. Um, 
and and you know there's lots of ways to do that but ultimately you need to arrive at an older age ideally with as fewer previous injuries and previous you know scars as as possible and that and that must filter into whether you can continue um yeah i guess that's the the big thing about age is is you've got to get there as as fit as possible we've talked about the mental kind yeah. of side of things as well like kind of that mental resilience that you build over time i think is another thing which is, yeah yeah you just get battered around weapon, by the world and you you can you come into your 40s or 50s so like miserable with it all your base your base ah. level of misery is um is you know <laughs> it's, it's already down, like you're running 5 10k a day so <laughs> there's definitely a mental heart, heart, hardness that comes to it i think as you get a bit older i find i mean the the fact of the matter is whether i was capable or not when I was 18 or 19 or, or 25, even, you know, if you'd, if you'd expect, ask me to run a marathon, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it, not through being physically incapable, but because I didn't want to. <laughs> like, why the hell would I want to do that? You know? Um, and this is, this is just me personally, you know, obviously your goals change as, as, as life changes and it can work the other way around too. But, um, I, I think in general, a lot of younger people have got more things on their minds. And as you get old, I mean, this is a reason why, I don't know what the average age of ultra runners in the UK, but it's got to be well into the 40s, if not 50. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people you see on start lines are, are, are sort of that around that age, aren't they? Yep. And it's um, I, I can think of lots and lots of things that I would not want to be doing when I'm running an ultra, so I put that a very bad way. There's there's lots of things I don't like doing and I really like ultra running. So when I'm on a race and it's horrible, there are far worse things that I would rather avoid than doing an ultra marathon, you know? Mm. So however rubbish it is, I, I, I would prefer to be doing that, you know? It's um, experience. I get that on training runs for sure. Like nice, easy like low aerobic training run, I'm like, this is great. There are like so many things I'd like less to be doing right now. At certain points in races, oh my God, I literally, I'm at the point where I'm like, I would do anything to not be Someone doing Someone get me my way. tax return. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think that's true. But then again, you know, from my perspective as well, I have a very, we've talked about this before, I have a very different race experience to you. Um, you know, I have fun. <laughs> I'm just, I have a chat. I have, uh, you know, I can, I can stop and, and, and I'm, I'm out there to finish. So for me, it's, it's a very different beast. Um, you know, hats off to you guys smashing out the podiums and stuff like that. That's, that's never going to happen for me unless there's a, a, a mass sinkhole opens up that everybody else doesn't see and I, and I somehow spot. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, um, just out there for, for the hours and, and, and I, I have to have fun with it because that's what it's there for. If I did this stuff and it was rubbish and, and horrible, Jesus, what does that say? Um, you know, I'm out there to have a good time. Mm. I yeah, I mean, I think Jamie would probably be probably agree with this. I think the reward for racing for me comes less from the racing experience and more from it's sort of in retrospect it's looking back at the race afterwards from the moment you cross the finish line really mm. and seeing all that training you know pay off and and you know the completion of a sort of stage you know a, a moment uh, in your life 
where all those things have come together. Now, I'm sure everyone gets that who finishes a run ultra marathon or even if they don't finish it. But I suppose when you're, you're trying to go fast, um, it requires so many more kind of stages in that preparation to, to, to well, not so many more. Well, your margins for error are so much smaller. Yeah, yeah. You know, you- what do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, I, I had talked about the amount of pressure I'd put on myself for the Serpent Trail, and so I, and I certainly did not enjoy a great deal of that race. The first 10 or 15K were good fun, but after that, there was just a great deal of pain. So, yeah, I mean, when I crossed that finish line, the satisfaction I had from kind of succeeding in that goal race and also kind of seeing the training block that I'd put in and all the effort you put in kind of the reward from that as well i think that's that's where i find a lot of the enjoyment along with the process along the way yeah the build-up beforehand as well and sort of putting all those pieces together um and because it's fun isn't it? it's planning right it's just planning you know you're kind of like right here's how to build a house i'm gonna need the windows the walls the foundations and you kind of piece all this stuff together and then you know especially when you get to like taper which we're on now mm-hmm. those of us that are running the plague um you're like right cool yeah i think you know i think i might have got this right and you know, i'm not injured feel pretty fit don't have to run so much for the next week um and then you know you actually get to put it all into action and see how the whole thing fits together and then reflect on it afterwards it's like baking a cake isn't it for another analogy you put everything in there you stick it in the oven see what it comes out like <laughs> yeah that's right the bake yeah that's it yeah if you if you think okay let's continue this analogy let's do this analogy <laughs> to death so you think about baking a cake right it's not in the oven that long 40 minutes okay it's a short process but you think about all the stuff that goes on before that not just the mixing but the milling of the flour right the, the sugar the, the milking of a cow vegan cow hey uh <laughs> <laughs> the milking of a human uh that can't, I don't know that does it. it's still an animal product Stick it um, in there. <laughs> um all, all of those sort of elements that all you know take ages before you get to that sort of mixing of the cake that's all that all that this fascinating isn't it it's all that process and and the complexity of it to to come up with this final thing yeah yeah absolutely that's the fun of it. Yeah, all, if though. you imagine you're, you're doing it on the Great British Bake Off, yeah. Yeah, a lot of stress and tension and a l- very little enjoyment in making the cake. Yeah, right. Three-year-olds will eat anything. Just stick some icing on yeah. it and a candle. <laughs> uh, hot. Um, speaking of, we should probably make the, uh, talk a little bit about um, the vegan running community and and especially down in Cornwall where we all are. Um, and you can both speak to this. I mean, how much what it means to you guys and you know as a, as a as a part of the running community but also as part of your lifestyle and your training and everything hmm i don't, I don't i'm i'm i don't get involved in the vegan running thing i'm ashamed to say um i think i'm a member of the running the national running club the vegan running club but i don't no i don't kind of i haven't got the shirt like you guys have jamie and like Chris and stuff like that and Will and uh who else Jordan and all those guys but yeah I don't I don't represent that much apart from a massive branding thing I have on my leg uh which is normally covered by a compression sock but um yeah it's uh I have to protect it um (laughs) yeah other than that it's just kind of um I guess I have a different approach to food to obviously different approach to food to non-vegan runners but um yeah I think both 
aspects of it. You can do it as a carnivore and you can do it as a vegan. I don't think, you know, there is too much difference. People have proven that you can do it successfully both ways. So as a runner, it comes down to a very personal choice, I think, about um, how you approach the fueling stuff. But um, And there's lots of variations to it. But um, yeah, certainly, I mean, you know, as as we say, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm certainly feeling fit and healthy for my age, but as, as are other people that, that don't have the same diet as me. So yeah, it's, um, it's almost not part of my running for me. Um, it's just, uh, contrary to my Instagram handle. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> just thought about that. I mean, maybe, maybe that's a bit too out there. Um, I'll, maybe I'll change that, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's an aside almost. It doesn't really, for me anyway, I don't know about you, Jeremy, it doesn't really factor into, into my running. Um, it's just my normal life. Just that I'm a runner. Yeah, much the same really. I mean, I took up the vegan lifestyle kind of while I was increasing my miles substantially as well. So I can't attest the, the vegan diet to necessarily making me fitter, but I certainly have been fitter since being a vegan if that makes sense but um yeah it doesn't doesn't greatly impact my running i don't think it's uh, something probably quite a side to it hmm. you have been like weirdly injury free haven't you um i'm not suggesting the diet's a factor in that but what do you think is a factor in that i mean i don't think i've even known you to have an injury no i had one injury once couldn't work out what it was gave myself six weeks off got no better and then ran it off and it went away that's the only injury it's just this weird knee pain yeah i don't know what the deal is with that um <clears throat> i can say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just just miraculous <laughs> a lot of advice and um pain from jay but i mean over the years i i increased my my distance very steadily i've been running for about four or five years and i certainly didn't jump straight into running 100 kilometers a week i built it up slowly um, and I think I've been quite sensible from that side of things. And I've always said, I will run a marathon in a year's time or two years time. I'll run 50 K after that. I'll run hundred K after that rather than going the other way around. Um, well, for those that don't know as well, you, you have a, you, you, you are a, a, a clinician, you are a doctor. So you've got an insight into uh, health yeah. as well. Quite a, quite a, a large base of knowledge to, to factor your decisions on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know how much that's impacted things as well. I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe a bit more sensible with it and made me realize the limitations of my body at this current moment and what it's capable of. But, um, well, I think we, we were talking once about, um, we, we were having a chat while I was elbow deep in your thigh, I think probably at the time, um, about, um, planning for the arc and how you came out with a fact that I don't think anyone, um, I don't think many people that weren't medical would, would know, but I, I said about, um, we were chatting about water and, and how cold water on a, a, a long winter race, you know, you have to give some of your body's heat away to warm up that cold water as it enters your system. And you quite, you know, Blazeli came out and said, well, that's, I think it's a, a warming a milliliter of water is where the, the, the jewel, the, the factor of measurement of a jewel came from. I think that's right. Or it's probably not, but it was along those lines calorie in a litre I think it is I don't know I don't even know if that's actually true the fact that you believe me and haven't looked it up it's well, you're great. a doctor man I've got to believe you <laughs> <laughs> uh, weirdly I actually know how many joules of energy it takes to warm 
100 grams of water okay go on because it comes it's because in my day job i deal with cocktails and ice and things like that um so it's a similar kind of thing but actually when i did the arc my support crew craig shout out to craig um warmed the water yep makes sense why would you want to use your body's calories to warm it up when you're out there Mm. yep absolutely oh we're giving away all the sex secrets now yeah damn it that's the secret uh Cold There's water, everyone. Four hour arc right there for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Dangling. If Just only a warm that daiquiri. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I, I think there's 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 a long history of. Um, you know, vegan and plant-based runners out there that are, that are smashing out just the same as there is a long line of people that that aren't. Um, I think it's it's a, one of those personal choice things, and and it takes a. You know, like any good diet, it takes some a little bit of research and some knowledge to really understand if your fuel, because that's ultimately what it is. If your fuel is delivering what you need it to in terms of nutrients and repair and fuel on the day, um, then that you you're doing the right job, whatever choice you're choosing, you know, ethically or non-ethically or whatever it is. But it's um, it comes down to kind of knowledge, and um, you know, there are lots of unhealthy vegans in the same way. There's lots of unhealthy carnivores, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very personal thing. And I think you, you can take it away from the running. Um, and yeah. And, and, you know, it's a separate thing almost in my mind. Yeah. Well, one thing on, just regarding the vegan diet, one thing that has, I think it was in the book that I've recommended to you, Jay, Peak. what's that one called? Mark yeah. Peak. I think it's in there. It was talking about um, the role of antioxidants mm-hmm. and and obviously kind of the reduction in inflammation they cause, uh, and um, kind of emphasising the curcumin, the active compound from turmeric. Turmeric. Yep. You should avoid immediately after exercising because that will you reduce want inflammation. The inflammation. And, yeah, you want the inflammation to to drive forward the improvements, and obviously the vegan diet. If if you're following it from like a whole food plant based approach you are consuming a lot of antioxidants is one of the mm-hmm. kind of one, one of the benefits of it and whether or not that actually impacts your um yeah it, it, your recovery process you see from, yeah yeah it's a very interesting book that and, and a lot of the points they make in it are there's lots of people that apply knowledge carte blanche um and and you have to apply techniques and knowledge um for anybody who's not read it it's um peak by dr mark bubbs um i listened to it on audible but um, it's a very good book and thanks for the recommendation. But um, yeah, a lot of what he's saying is, you know, um, be careful of the knowledge that you apply, that you, that you need to apply it in the right context. You can't just go, this is good across every aspect of my training. There's times when you need anti-inflammatory and there's times when you, you don't need so much. So yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I um, supplement curcumin and I have at times wondered, you know, this is an anti-inflammatory and is that always a good thing? Mm. Um, you know, when, like you say, you've done a long run and there's repair work that needs to be done, um, should you be trying to limit that action in your body or is, you know, is it something that needs to take place naturally? I mean, you know, there's, there comes a point where you shouldn't be fighting your body, right? You should be letting it do what it's designed to do. Yeah. Well, it's like a blister is supposed to heal the area underneath. It's not supposed to be popped. It's it's a it's a nature's way, your body's way of creating a little bubble of bubble wrap to protect the skin underneath while it forms um 
So when we pierce but toenails it, can to- can do one, right? Toenails are absolutely. It's yeah, it's like gills. We got rid of gills a long time ago. Toenails are the next thing to go. <laughs> I'm waging a war against mine. <laughs> one by one, I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, well, often not. Often it's three at a time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole oh, other episode. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right, cool, Jamie. Have you got anything else to say? Any any products to tout? Any uh, anything <laughs> else that you need to get off your chest about um, things? No, I don't think so. All right, ideal. Cool. Well, thanks for your time. <laughs> You're very welcome. What, what are you planning to do during? Are you are you out on the course during? Because the plague, this will be coming out after the plague. So uh, I suspect a lot of people have chatted to you. But, um, are you out on the course? So assuming that I do manage to uh, kind of hold myself back from going and running the plague, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be out and about spectating, uh, cheering on. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. It's going to be really good. Oh, it, I know. I th- in, the, in the style I know. of the kid that, that sticks his hand up at the end of the lesson and says, I have another question, you did, you both ran um, an unofficial plague. We didn't even talk about that. Well, I didn't run the whole well, thing. Jamie you, did. You, yeah. you paced on the way out, but yeah, it was yeah. Um, yeah. So, when what time did you do that in? I can't even remember. In all honesty, um, an, ten an, hours fifty. Unofficially, like it was close to the record, wasn't it? Or, or best it was three minutes under the record. There yeah. you go. It was. Well, yeah, we, yeah. We definitely it's, need to mention that. Which, um, yeah, kind of one of the reasons I'd like to go and run it is because it is a great course can't run that too many times i don't think so but no. unfortunately not at the right time i don't think but hey who knows what the next week's going to hold hey if it's not on strava <laughs> it didn't happen coach doesn't need to know <laughs> it's true it's very true <laughs> we can lend you a you're watch. not tempted to go up against kim collison on the black rat then oh, like, i was also tempted one. by that as well i don't even know if ferg would let me in on that now but um I was also tempted by that. I guess that was also an option. Mm. I could I could message Ferg and just see whether that whether that door's open or not. Mm. I'm sure. Boy, Ferg, look. if you're listening to this, <laughs> this comes out before the plague. <laughs> get hold of me if I can beat if I can um, if I can race Kim Collison. Well, um, this is definitely going out after the race, so it'll be amusing for anyone listening to find out <laughs> that you actually ran the plague and won it, or that you fell off a cliff running the black rat and now unfortunately no longer with us um, so, <laughs> um anyone who's listening to this is going to have the benefit of um retrospect to be able to kind of yeah amuse themselves uh, right well thank you so much for coming on mate it's uh, been a pleasure guys thanks very much for chatting with me fun to have a chat all right cool maybe we'll get you on again for a london marathon episode um mm. that would be fun to do we could do one of our before and afters um to to review that that is a great idea we get lots of people going up up. you can be our london correspondent (laughs) (laughs) all right cool thanks jamie and thanks everyone for listening see you next time thank you cheers guys thank you for listening to this episode of the trail and error podcast if you enjoyed it don't forget to like subscribe and most important of all share it with your friends and your family also if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the trail Error podcast please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore uk it makes more sense when it's written down i promise you oh and we're on facebook too 
See you next time. Thanks for listening.